This is Agri-Futures On Air, brought to you by Agri-Futures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. What do you think when you hear the word robot? Well, that's very much determined by your age and maybe I'd be giving too much away if my reply to that question was Danger Will Robinson. G'day, my name is Chris Brown. Robots are becoming more common in everyday life. Think vacuum cleaners, almost old hat. Robotic lawnmowers are now advertised on local TV. There's artificial intelligence-powered home security and surveillance and, of course, robot toys and games. In the commercial world, robots have found a home and there's some excitement abroad, particularly in the design of robotics based on machine learning, as opposed to robotics that can only perform the tasks they were originally designed to do, such as those we've seen for years on car assembly lines. My guest today is at the cutting edge of robotics, not only in Australia, but around the world. Yuxi Leitner is the co-founder of Lyro, a business focused on developing machines that learn and can adapt to change. And we'll delve into what that means over the next 20 minutes or so. But Yuxi, here's a question that I, well, I should have consulted Google about, but I'll ask you. Is there a difference between machine learning and AI or artificial intelligence? Ah, I see you're starting with the, the very tough questions at the beginning there. No, um, look, there, there's a lot of discussions about AI and artificial intelligence right now. What that generally refers to is computer systems that can adapt to a changing environment based on some learning algorithms. There's a differentiation in the academic side of things between machine learning and artificial intelligence, but in commonly used uh, you know, public outreach and media, I don't think there's too much separation between those two terms. Generally what it means, it's in our case, robotic system that can make decisions by itself and therefore can act in a more autonomous fashion than a machine would be. So they're a bit interchangeable out in the world, I suppose, the names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days there's a lot of publicity and a lot of media talk about AI, deep learning, machine learning. They are often used very interchangeably. Even robotics comes up very often as an, uh, as interchangeably to artificial intelligence. But I, as a roboticist, would separate those two. Everything that has an embodiment, a physical machine, a physical motor, that is a robotic system. A lot of the AI systems these days are more on the software side of things running on computers. Now, I want to talk to you about how the company uh, was developed, and then we'll talk about what you actually produce as a product. <laughs> to give all that some context, I'm going to repeat three words that seem to be very important to you. Brains, eyes, and hands. What do they mean to you? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. We see ourselves as creator of the brains, the eyes, and the hands for a robotic system. If you think about a robotic system, and most people think about what the media has portrayed as robotic systems that you know, work in day-to-day -day operations out there in the, in the world. But even if you are thinking of robotic systems in terms of manufacturing, or especially in the car manufacturing industry, there's lots of robots out there, they do have different parts. And one is the hand that needs to pick up the item. The eyes is that makes the understanding of the scene around it possible. So a camera system and a decision-making system based on what the camera sees. And a brain. And the brain, in the end, makes a decision of what item to look at, what item to pick up, and where to pack it down. 
And that basically is your product. That's what you develop, that sort of system. That is correct, sir. Our, our robots have a very tight integration between what they see and what they do and how they make that decision around it. So that's these three items, the hand, the eyes, and the brain are really the core parts of what Lyra robots are all about. Tell me a bit about your background. So I'm originally from Austria. I grew up in a small town in the Alps there, but I've been working in robotics and artificial intelligence for the last 15 to 20 years all across Europe, uh, Japan, and now in Australia. I came to Australia in 2014 as part of what is called the Australian Centre for Robotic Vision, which is a long-term national research initiative funded by the federal government here, seven years, $25 million, four universities, hundreds of people. And I came to QUT here in Brisbane as what is called a research fellow, somebody who's looking at research and leading a research team specifically around robotic manipulation, how computer vision and robotic vision can help robots become smart. Just keeping on your journey for a moment, you were with a university, but now you've you've founded Lyro. How did that happen? Yes, yeah, so I've, I've been an academic for probably the better part of the last 15 years. I've worked, as I mentioned before, in Europe and in Japan and now here in Australia in, in academic settings. But I've always been interested in, in the application of these technologies into a broader focus outside of academia and industry. I've had in the past worked in, in companies and started my own companies in Europe. But what really sort of drove the creation of Lyra Robotics was our win in the Amazon Robotics Challenge in 2017 with a team of students from the Australian Centre for Robotic Vision here hosted at the Queensland University of Technology. And that really was sort of, for me, the, the pivotal moment where you could quite literally see bring all these fundamental research parts together, these different modules, whether it is the brains, the eyes and the hands, you can actually bring these things together and create a solution that can solve an important problem to industry and actually, I believe, an important problem to society as a, as a whole. And that's really sort of started our journey into tech transfer and how we can translate these technological advantages where we are world leaders here in Australia when it comes to AI and, and robotic systems into economic and societal advantages for the Australian people. Winning that Amazon competition must have been such a buzz because you were <laughs> it's the best in the world, weren't you, really? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, winning the Amazon Challenge was, was definitely an, an exciting event. Just uh, the whole lead up to it by itself was already exciting enough. You actually apply for it and then we got selected as one out of 16 teams in the world that actually were allowed to compete in the challenge in Japan. And the other teams were you know, MIT, Princeton, University of Bonn, as well as the University of Tokyo from the academic side of things, as well as you know, industry players, Mitsubishi, Panasonic, they were all part of the challenge. So it's not just a bunch of students. So it actually has some, some really heavy hitters in there. And we had about six months to design and build a robotic system and then transport it to Japan and enter the competition. And on the day, the robotic system needed to work and pick a specific set of items that Amazon would provide. And it is kind of building up to this climatic event where you have like 16 robots standing in a big fair showground and quite literally competing against each other. And we managed to pick the most items, but we were also the first or second team to run that day. So we didn't really know how good our score was until more and more teams have tried to beat our score, but couldn't. So it was a very 
exciting and nail-biting five, six hours for us to wait whether we actually did manage to pick the most items and get the highest score. How was your machine better than the others? What did it do differently? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think it comes down to a few things. First of all, we built the whole robotic system by ourselves. That's the mechanical system as well as the software system. And that allowed us to understand where problems arose and how to solve them. Whereas other teams used off-the-shelf parts and sometimes didn't fully understand the complexities or the problems that would arise at the time. And this being an on-the-day competition, the quicker you can react to problems that would arise with your robotic system before you hit go, the better it was to get this course done. So that's one part of it. And the second part was that we had found the best trade-off between how complex your robotic system mechanically needs to be, as well as how complex your software system needs to be to deal with the raft of items that Amazon would throw at you, as well as a bit of luck. I mean, there's, there's 16 teams, anything can go wrong during the day, right? So there's always a bit of luck. But I really believe that the fundamental research that we've done put us on the right track to integrate these robotic systems. It must be great to be part of such a, a team that's dedicated, so focused, You've received some venture capital from the Japanese company Toyo Kanatsu, I think it's pronounced, which makes perfect sense because one of their businesses is creating airport baggage systems. That seems to be a very nice fit for what you're trying to do with eyes, brains and hands. Yeah, that's correct. We've received some funding from a Japanese company that uses a fund also to invest in startups and companies that are related to what they're working on. And as you say, baggage handling, as well as other logistics operations, everything that has to do with putting things into boxes or out of boxes is where really our technology shines, where the brain, the eyes and the hands really makes a difference. And that's what Toyokanatsu saw in us. And so they gave us funding in the end of 2019 to really start ramping up and building these robotic systems here in Brisbane. Have you seen an increase in demand for systems such as you've described, particularly over the last 12 months with so many more people going to shop online? Yeah, definitely. There's been a significant surge of interest over the last 12 months, partly on the e-commerce side of things. There's some statistics out there that you can find from the Australia Post and other suppliers that basically we had five-year growth in three months last year on the e-commerce and logistics side of things. And with that come more pressures on the supply chain and more people are aware of using other solutions, including automation and robotics, to handle those pressures on the supply chain. For me, the other exciting thing was on the agriculture side, we've seen a significant surge of people coming to us and saying they have labor issues and the, the whole labor crunch with border closures had had a significant in- impact. And basically, from mid last year to the end of last year, we get emails on a weekly basis from 10, 15 different farmers asking us about how our automation can help supercharge their packing shed operations. That's really exciting to see that there's the willingness and the interest from the customers out there to try out these new technologies and see how we can help them. And for me, as, as somebody who wants this technology to have a, a positive impact outside of academia, it's really interesting to see that we can actually not just have one or two robots out there, but eventually have thousands of robots out there that help, especially in agriculture right now, where there's more than 27,000 jobs that are going to be unfilled in the next couple of months. Tell me, are you supplying systems to these farmers now? Yes, we are starting to sell these robots now. In fact, we're having a webpage coming up right now where you can pre-order your robotic system. We really want to help 
as many farmers and packers as possible in the near future, because there's a massive problem right now there with labor. But even in the long run, our vision is to have 100,000 of these robotic systems out by the end of the decade, doing a lot of different manual labor tasks, whether that is in agriculture, e-commerce, advanced manufacturing or waste management. So tell me what the system is. It sounds like it's not so much bespoke, but almost an off-the-shelf system, is it? Yeah, we are aiming for our robotic system to be broadly applicable. So it is really a general purpose packing machine. Quite literally, you can throw up underneath it any vegetable or fresh produce, fruit, vegetable, root. And the robotic system is able to pack it and pack it in a specific pattern. So that's something that is not really out there. There's very specific solution to one or two pieces of fruit, and they tend to be very expensive. But our robotic solution is very broadly applicable and is very easy to install. If you think about it, it's actually looking more or less like a big box, roughly you know 1.2 meters wide and maybe like two meters tall. And we can literally just roll that in, put it on a packing shed line, turn it on, and within an hour, we're starting to pack produce. And within like 10, 15 minutes, we can change from one produce, let's say avocados, to another one, let's say limes, lemons, mangoes, chilies, passion fruit is all items that we've packed over the last 12 months. That's fantastic. I didn't realize that it was so advanced. When it comes to its position in the packing shed, do you see a day when it will replace manual labor? The position in the packing shed right now is really aimed to augment the, the human labor that's already there. But talking to some of our customers, a lot of them do envision a fully automated packing shed. And that's something that we can provide in the future together working with, with other solutions that are already out there, a sorting machine, a washing machine, and you know, like once things are in boxes, a palletizing machine. So we see Lyra as sort of the missing piece that is currently not being automated yet, which is to getting the fruit from a spinning table or a belt into the box. You intimated by saying the other systems were expensive, that your system is more affordable. Is that the case? Yeah, the aim for Lyra is to be really an affordable solution. And we are offering as well as an outright sell of the robotic system, more like there's traditional machinery. We also offer a robotic packing as a service offer, meaning that you pay only for the items and the produce that is picked and packed by the robotic system much like you would pay any sort of transient labor that you have right now, whether it's a backpack or somebody else. And how quick is it? I, mean, I can imagine that a machine reaching an arm over and picking up an avocado and then putting it into a box, I can imagine a, the human hand could probably do it fairly quickly as well. Yeah, speed is something that people ask us a lot. The more critical aspect, though, is not so much the speed of the robotic system. It is what is the cost per item picked. Because in the end, it doesn't really matter if the robot has a certain amount of speed or double the amount of speed if the cost keeps changing. If the cost is the same per pick as a human laborer, same as with a human laborer, you can just put in a second robot to improve your throughput. And so that is really the trade-off and the question that we're exploring with our customers right now, who definitely come to us and say like, oh, we want the fastest robotic system. And in the conversations, we realize what they actually want to do is to find the most cost-effective per pick solution. And so that's really where our robotic system currently fits in. At this point in time, we are not as fast as human packer. As you say, humans are actually very good, especially with two hands to pick items out. But we are competitive in pricing and our robotic systems increase on a month-by-month -month basis. And that's just last six to seven months, we increased almost double the speed of throughput through our robotic system.
Mm, yeah, it sounds fantastic. Sounds wonderful. What have been some of the challenges that you've faced in developing? The, is it the software side of things or the mechanical side or both? Yeah, that's the age-old question for robotics. Is it harder to build the software and the smarts for the robotic system or building the hardware for the robotic system? For me, it's a combination of those two, and you need to be able to find the right trade-off. So one of the things that we've focused on over the last six months is really that technology transfer from a proof of concept to a very scalable solution. Again, the, the aim for Lyro is not to just build one or two robotic systems and bring them out there. As, as I mentioned before, 26,000 jobs out there, two robots are not going to make a difference. So the real focus for the last six months of our engineering team was how can I build software and hardware systems that can really scale up to, as I mentioned before, 100,000 robots by the end of the decade. And that is a challenging problem. But I believe as Lyra, we have had the right team and the right mindset to do this from day one. So we are very comfortable to scale up our operations and start building more of these robotic systems over the next 12 months. How will you do that? I mean, you're talking about a lot of, a lot of systems there. Will they be built in Australia or overseas? When are you actually planning? Yeah, very good question. Like that is obviously a very ambitious goal to build that many robotic systems. I believe we have the right process in place to really scale that up. We are building our robotic systems right here in Brisbane, just south of the city. And we believe that we can build a lot of our robotic systems in Australia. In fact, our plan is also to build in the regions. We want to build our robotic systems very close to where they're actually getting deployed. Our robotic systems were designed from day one with that in mind, that it can't be a very highly complex robotic system that takes a long time to assemble, but should be a very simple to assemble robotic system with a lot of smarts in it, so it can very quickly adapt from one fruit to the next one. And so what we do right now is we need about two by three meters of workspace and about two people and a couple of days to assemble a robotic system. And we are trying to scale this up, obviously, at a, at a larger level and you know, pre-build things. Most of the stuff is sourced locally, apart from the motors, which usually come from Japan, Korea, or Germany. But the rest is all built locally here in Brisbane. Fantastic. This question, I'm, I'm sure, is redundant now. But I did want to ask you, do you think you've got it right in having the right product at the right time? And I know your answer here. <laughs> Yeah, look, timing is always an issue for every company, but even more so for a startup. I think we have the right timing. I think it's a very timely problem that we're trying to solve. But even so, it is not a question of if robots are going to be deployed in agriculture settings. It's a question of when robots are going to be deployed in agriculture settings and the food and the logistics supply chain in the world. Because this is a pressure point everywhere, and it will just increase to be a pressure point over the next 20 years. In short, I believe we have a solution right now that can help, but it is a growing problem and therefore a growing opportunity for us to deploy robotic systems. I think for Australia, it's a very great opportunity because we have many universities that are world leading in the robotics field, but we've so far lacked transferring that technology into industry applications with the willingness of customer to try them out right now, as well as, as the government's initiatives to get more advanced manufacturing into agriculture. I believe you have a very good opportunity to build global robotics companies right here in Australia. Will you focus mostly in the packing sheds or do you see applications for your systems out in the paddocks as well? Yeah, the 
the technology that we build is pretty agnostic to where it's being applied. So we see the packing shed as something where we right now can have an impact and right now help people out. In the long run, we definitely want to go into the field, do picking in the field, but as well as use other verticals that are interesting, whether it's e-grocery, e-commerce, advanced manufacturing, or even recycling and waste management, where currently a lot of manual labor is doing something very similar than in the agriculture field, which is looking at something, picking it up and putting it in a cardboard box or, or another box. Yeah, I can see straight away how it would fit there. I've asked the other people who uh, on AgriFutures on air this February, they've all been to Evoke Ag. I think you were at Evoke Ag in 2020. How was that experience for you? Yeah, with Lyra, I've been at Evoke Ag 2020 down in Melbourne. It's a fascinating and a great event. There's so much energy and buzz around. You can actually really feel the excitement and the energy in the room that we can have a positive impact not just on Australian agriculture, but have a global impact with the technologies that we're developing here in Australia. So for me, that, that was really exciting. There was good talks. There was lots of you know informal meet and greets. And it's just a massive event where you can mingle, network, but also make important business partnerships and meet people that actually can help you grow your business. So it's definitely an exciting event. You're in a fascinating industry that's designed to change, isn't it? It, it, Nothing was done spilling robotics and it must be really, really exciting to be a part of that. Thank you so much for your time today and all the very best to you and Lyro and all the people working there in the future. Make life easier out there for farmers. Thank you, Chris. We'll try. Thank you. My guest today was Yuxi Leitner, the co-founder of Lyro, a young company at the cutting edge of robotics in agriculture. Thanks for listening today to AgriFutures On Air, which is a weekly podcast featuring stories and conversations with remarkable people doing some truly remarkable work in agriculture and primary industry more broadly. My name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.